All right. Dave, how you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Really good. Yeah, Why, that, that's unusual. Yeah. 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 It's been a, been a good week. I, uh, it's interesting. We saw a movie last night, family movie night mm-hmm. at the, uh, X residence mm-hmm. and, uh, the conjuring, right? What's that? The conjuring? <laughs> nope. Nope. So we're watching this movie and, uh, and, uh, you know, towards the end of it, Lauren just yells out loud, you're telling me that Soylent Green is not made out of plankton? <laughs> and I'm like, nope. So that was, like, awesome. <laughs> so what, your, your, your family movie was Soylent Green? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. That's great. Is it timeless? Does it hold up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, I, it was, it was pretty good. It's, you know, uh, I'm just, like, a fan of, you know, stuff like that and Planet of the Apes. You know, that, that sort of shocker thing at the end that just mm-hmm. is... Uh, uh, you know, just big surprise sort of thing. You know, like Twilight Zone, where it's you know, there's this big twist, and it's like you don't see it coming. So, right, um, it's right. always good, and, and being able to pass it down through the generations, it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, oh, speaking of Lauren, though, um, she did her big presentation at the uh, Akron Log, right? Yeah, so that was a, a big uh, load off her mind. So mm-hmm. she like like totally nailed it. I was I was very proud of her. We had. Uh, of all the times that we've been doing, like on meetup.com, uh, you know, doing the invitations and managing it there, um, we've, it's like the number of people that responded, RSVP'd was like, like triple than uh, what, what we usually get. Mm-hmm. And uh, we literally had a pack room, uh, got all kind of pictures we, we put up on the meetup site. I'll, I'll put that in there. Um, Element 14 was there. Uh, Dave Hamblin gave away a, uh, we raffled off a Raspberry Pi. Nice. Um, yeah. And Lauren's uh, computer science teacher, uh, she didn't even uh, meet him yet. He, she basically sent him an email. That, this is a guy we talked about um, a couple episodes ago about the Linux laptops and everything. Oh, and, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she sent him an invitation saying, hey, you know, I'm giving this presentation. Would you like to come out? And I thought that was pretty awesome. You know, like he, you know, took time out of, you know, having the summer off to, uh, you know, come down and visit a student that he hasn't even met before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, well, and, and not, and it's not like he was right nearby either. Right. Isn't he? I no, mean, it's kind of a hike. Yeah. It was like probably about a good hour, uh, at least an hour, uh, to get there. That's fantastic. Um, you know, to get from Cleveland the whole way down to Akron through all the, the traffic because of the, uh, PGA tournament going on. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then she like totally nailed it, and uh, she was uh, busting windows jokes, um, which <laughs> Atta, is like, a girl. That's great. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, and it's it's like that's daddy's girl, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, for a lug, that's like that's red meat. You know, you're, you're gonna win. You're gonna win, win the uh, audience over there. You know, some crowd favorites. Sure. And then, um, you know, it's one of those things when you do a presentation. You know, it's like you have a lot of control over the slides and all that. And then with the demo, you sort of craft it where you have all kind of control. And so she did her demo and everything. And, and it's like she kept answering questions. And uh, the guy that runs the lug, uh, Rick Neymar, he's like, so, Lauren, why don't you uh, write an app for us? And it's like, you know, like totally like, oh, hey, why don't you just write a program in front of everybody as we <laughs> video record it? And that's what we're going to put up on YouTube. And, and you know, and I'm just and 
he said that, and then going through my mind is that WCO Fields quote about you know working with children and animals, and I'm just <laughs> right, thinking, right, right, man, right. this is gonna this could go sideways if she doesn't know this stuff cold. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, what do you want to do? And and so there were a lot of kids, like so people brought their their sons and daughters um, to the, to the event. Oh, neat! And she pulled them. She's like, oh well, she's asking the one girl, so what do you want uh, for a sprite? And they're like, oh, I want a fish. And um, they picked the background for a. Um, an aquarium background, and and then she showed how she was able to to build an application. So I'll put a link to the the application she built, um, you know, like totally from scratch, you know, from the you know seat of her pants while you know, um, you know, while she's uh, um, while she was doing it. So it was, I was really proud of her. She did awesome. That's awesome. That's well, uh, and clearly sales engineering runs in the family. It sounds like yeah, yeah. That's yeah, great. she yeah. I was I was really proud of her. She did, and she did the. Uh, you know, it was she was had well composed and didn't freak out or anything. You know, so it's like it, it was great. And oh, that's so, cool. That's cool. Is yeah. there going to be is there going to be video? Um, yeah, one of the guys uh, re- video recorded it, and and we'll probably put the uh, like on the meetup site. I'll we have pictures that are uploaded, but uh, I'll probably put a link to the video once once uh, he uploads it to YouTube. Um, oh, that's great. So yeah, it's it, it's yeah, it turned out really really well. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What What are you up to? Uh, I'm sitting in the uh, I'm sitting in the Red Hat Tower mm. right now, which is kind of which is a delight. Actually, I'm so rarely at the uh, Red Hat headquarters, um, and uh, I'm on my way to uh, uh, to Charleston uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. for the uh, for the military open source working group meeting, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. That's always a good time. But uh, I decided to uh, take a day out. And uh, and explore headquarters. You know, come up to the come up to the HQ, uh, yeah. shake hands, shake some hands, kiss some babies, uh, say, say hi to our folks. And uh, it's I tell you, it is absolutely amazing um, how big. I, I mean, we have a whole tower, Dave. <laughs> it's it's yep. uh, really a far cry from the kind of three story building uh, we had in the old Red Hat headquarters, which is on the uh, campus of uh, North Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's wild. Um, everything's all fancy and, uh, modern and clean, um, and cold. It's freezing up here. Uh, like I'm literally shivering, uh, cause I've been sitting in this conference room for the last, uh, last two or three hours. Um, wow. but, uh, I'm sure they'll get the kinks worked out. Um, but yeah, no, having a good time. Having a good time. That's great. Yeah. yeah I know that it's like when I heard that, so, you know, that building it's downtown Raleigh, which is really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like a thousand people in that building. Thousand Red Hat employees. Yeah, yeah, feels like a thousand. Um, that's and almost that's almost as many people at, as were employed by all of Red Hat when I joined. Yeah, yeah, and well, and I you know I think about it too. It's like that's one building of a thousand people, and I thought I knew a lot of people at Red Hat, um, but it's like uh, you know, uh, there's just wow, it just blows my mind. Uh, with that sort of scale in in you know in one building, I'm sure there are you know people at IBM or whatever they laugh at that scale or Google, but um, but for you know seeing that growth, uh, you know like you said, it's going from a thousand people to what we're over eight thousand now. Um, mm-hmm. It's yep. just incredible. Yeah, 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 totally wild. And and and, and I gotta say, I'm much more likely now to come to headquarters uh, now that I can eat at a place that's not a fast food joint, right? Um, yes, like had lunch at a sushi place in downtown yeah. Raleigh, which is really nice. nice. Um, so it's nice to get, nice to mix it up a little bit. 
anyway, uh, and nice to be in downtown in a, in a, in a good sized city. Um, mm-hmm. that's always a, that's always a treat. Um, all right. So, uh, Dave, uh, here we are kind of comparing notes on our week. Uh, we should, uh, we should get going with the, the real news. Yeah. We've got a lot to cover here. So what, what do we have on tap for this week? Yeah, so we've got a number of death watches. We're on a key death watch. We're on a mobile carrier death watch. We're on a Klingon death watch, and uh, finally, uh, it looks like we, we should be readying ourselves for uh, Google Meet version one. Nice. nice. Good. So, yep. Uh, so, Dave, if folks want to uh, learn more about their Google Meet, uh, where, where should they go for that? Yeah, they they want to go to dgshow.org. So, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner Show.org. That's right. And uh, don't forget to check us out on uh, iTunes. Yep. 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 And what's on the uh, cutting room floor this week? Oh, we got Theremins. Uh, we got My Little Pony in the Air Force. Uh, it's actually, it, we got a really nice collection of stuff. Uh, we got uh, Ted Brunel. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, was able to uh, contribute some, uh, I think it's some demo work. Is that right? Uh, it was, uh, he interviewed uh, somebody from MakerPlane. That's right. That's right. And that was up on yeah. uh, opensource.com, so we've got a link to that. Uh, we got Vampire Robots. Uh, there, there are a whole bunch of treats in, in, uh, in the cutting room floor this week. Yeah, yep. for sure. Great. Uh, well, let's get rolling. Um, so, Dave, speaking of Soylent Green. Yep. Yeah, so I sent, I sent this article to uh, Lauren after we watched uh, Soylent Green and uh, about uh, you know, Google creating this uh, synthetic meat. And and so now and then she replied to me uh, saying uh, just Soylent Green is Google and <laughs> she's been running around the house all morning saying that so it's it's you know and it's nice Charlton Heston sort of you know right. it's great damn dirty apes yeah. uh, no the- she does a good one of that <laughs> well so th- so this was a synthetic meat this was all over the news so this isn't like that but what I thought was really interesting was it cost about three hundred eighty thousand dollars to make that synthetic hamburger. That's um, a first pound. Which, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but it, but apparently the whole premise of making the synthetic beef was to reduce the reliance on livestock, right? Mm-hmm. Because of their dependence on antibiotics, uh, because of the relatively inefficient way in which you know we raise animals for meat. But from what I was reading in this article, the punchline is that, A, it cost $380,000, which isn't super efficient. B, it still required this whole host of antibiotics in order to get the synthetic beef to actually grow in the petri dish or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and so it yeah yes it's a first try uh, but uh, the scientist I was reading in this article I guess maybe it was the BBC article was saying that uh, this is still a very long way from actually being viable um, mm-hmm. it, it's like it's like a fun stunt but um, we shouldn't expect McDonald's to be serving synthetic beef anytime soon yeah yeah so what uh, so as somebody who uh, is 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 doing the vegetarian thing? Would would you mm-hmm. consider this, or 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 do you if it's meat flavored? Do you don't you don't do it, or are you like a tofurk tofurky kind of guy? Or yeah, you know, I, I I actually don't. I fully expected when I stopped eating meat uh, to re- really be jonesing for stuff like hamburger, right, or a, or a cheeseburger, um, and I find I actually don't really have a taste for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I just not. In fact, the the Maybe this is just me. This is probably not a common experience, but there's kind of the mouth feel of hamburger. Just the the whole premise of it seems really goofy to me. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe I don't know. Does that mean I'm not American anymore? No, no, I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. I know I like I quit uh, 
uh, I tried doing the whole low carb thing, and I'm actually sticking with it. You know, mm-hmm. with white carbs, and you know, mm-hmm. where I you know used to eat potato chips and spaghetti and stuff like that all the time, and now I only do it like once a week, um, so mm-hmm. I don't sort of get a baseline, and mm-hmm. I don't. I'm like just like you. It's like I'm not jonesing for spaghetti where mm-hmm. I thought I would be or potato chips. You know? Sure. So sure. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um. So let's see what you got. So wait, Netflix pulled Star Trek three. Yep. Because yep. it was because it was awful or for other reasons. Nope. Nope. So this was the uh, the wrath or no? This was a search for Spock. Yes. Um, so and it was missing the uh, Vulcan and Klingon dialogue, so they had to pull it. <laughs> was that like a contractual thing or just like they were swarmed by outraged nerds? Yeah, or some sort of legal act of, of I don't know. It's like in Canada, they got to do stuff in, in French and <laughs> right, English. Right, right, and right, right. I don't know if there's like a law in the United States where now you got to do things in Klingon and Vulcan. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, so do you, have a, do, do you want to do, do try a pronunciation of, uh, of Today is a Good Day to Die, the famous Klingon catchphrase? Yeah, let, let me give it a shot. Hedgelu mehe kach jajvam. I like whenever someone does a Klingon voice, it's always like way back in the throat and kind of super guttural and, of course, angry, right? Because yeah, all Klingons right. are angry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's great. I'm going to make you say all kinds of things in Klingon now. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, but I need a Klingon dictionary to do that. Oh, they sell them. Oh, they really, really? Yeah, you could actually take classes too. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a MOOC. That would be great if there was like a, a MOOC on how to speak Klingon. And I, I asked, uh, and I asked Lauren. <laughs> what like, we're going to talk about a cognitive surplus. We got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, but I asked Lauren. It's like, all right. So, would you rather have the subtitles in? You know, if if you watch a movie, do you want the 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 subtitles in Klingon or Vulcan, and she's like, "No, nah, Vulcan," because it's uh, the search for Spock. Oh, so. sure, right, right, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, oh, so you know, you know, I was concerned about uh, my um, my alarm system at home being hacked. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, so, uh, we actually, got something even worse to worry about. Uh, it turns out that, and I think this came out at DefCon this year. Uh, there's uh, two kids, I mean, literally kids, I mean, they're like 20 and 21 years old, figured out how to take a photograph of a key and replicate that mm-hmm. key uh, using a 3D printer. Uh, so in other words, like you take a photo of somebody's house keys just using like a smartphone and you can actually create mm-hmm. a, a replace the house key um, just based on the information in the photo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw it. Somebody's doing that as a business. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, I read the article and, and they were saying that there is actually like leg- legitimate uses for this. Um, there was right. one. I think it's a delivery company. Um, you take a photograph of your house key, send the photograph to them. They will make their own copy of the house key and then use it to deliver packages to you. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, also, like you got to trust them with more than just your like deliveries. If it, I mean that. Uh, the the function of, of uh, what am I trying to say? Like the so it's one thing to trust UPS to drop a package off, you know, behind your fence or whatever. It's another thing to give UPS keys to your house in order to deliver. Right. That means that you trust this company um, more than you trust your neighbors. Really, is what that yeah. means, right? Um, 
it's kind of there's there's a sad state of American culture there, kind of a bowling alone story. I'm sure we could explore. Um, but it turns out that you don't even need to send photocopies or uh, photos of uh, of keys to uh, someone's house anymore because it turns out that literally millions of homes are now vulnerable to hacking. Do you wow. see this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's like what 15 seconds and like a paperclip, and you know, it's like you can get into a house with these uh, reprogrammable locks, the uh, smart key locks. That's right. That's right. So the the premise of the lock is really interesting. So this is the quick set smart key lock. Um, and it's a looks like a regular cylinder, but over on the side there's like a little tab, a little thing you can stick a, 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 key, a second key into. So you unlock the door, you stick a, the tool into the into the cylinder, and then replace take the key out and put a new key in, pull the tool out, and now suddenly you have rekeyed the door to another set of keys that you want. Right? Um, mm. Super handy. Uh, for things like giving someone access to your house for only a certain amount of time, super handy for somebody running a rental property, right, or a business or whatever. You can imagine there's all kinds of good uses for this. Um, always seemed like a kind of a janky idea. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, and they've gone through a bunch of reviews. You know, the QuickSight company is, is very proud of this invention, and uh, they have all kinds of documentation about why it's, in fact, you know, very secure or maybe even more secure or all the rest of it. Um, and if you go on YouTube, you can actually see there's... Uh, video of locksmiths warning people about these smart key locks. And it doesn't have to do with the actual smart key system itself, like not the smart mm-hmm. key system per se. That's not the vulnerability. It's just that the locks are, in fact, super pickable. Um, mm. And so, yeah, these and so these kids, 15 seconds, they can pop a, pop open millions of homes. Around the wow. so, so sleep tight, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it's uh, you, if somebody wants in the house bad enough, they're going to, do it anyhow and whether it's a you know a smart key lock or a traditional lock or a lock with a deadbolt you know eventually you know somebody's going to get in if they want to or they just bust a window mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's right this is what this is what they mean when they say defense in depth right because you want you don't just want to rely on that one quick set smart key lock you want to rely mm-hmm. on that and maybe another deadbolt or maybe the lock on the door handle as well you want uh, video surveillance right uh, you want an yep. alarm system uh, you want motion detection uh, you want sharks with lasers on their heads uh, <laughs> you want you, you want options right you don't want to throw all your mo- all your eggs in one basket so yeah well yeah and then the what made me think about you know when i saw that article i was thinking a lot about you know people are always thinking about Cybersecurity, you know, so mm-hmm. I said that to make you mad. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, they think about computer security and it's like, well, if I lock down the operating system, that's, that's cool. Um, but if you have physical access to the system or the, all the social engineering hacks of, you know, somebody calling the system admin and, you know, and they give away something or, or somebody has a, a password on a post-it note, um, mm-hmm. all the social engineering hacks that are out there, you know, a lot of times people forget about them. And and so did you ever see the movie uh, Catch Me If You Can? Sure, sure I did, sure I did. That was a uh, Leonardo DiCaprio dressed as a uh, airplane pilot, right, walking around pretending like he flies airplanes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's you know based on a true story, uh, Frank Abing- Abagnale, um, and he actually wrote some books about it. So there's actually a book called Catch Me If You Can. I highly recommend it. Um, and so I don't know, you know, it's I suppose it's a true story. I don't know how much of it is exaggeration, but. Um, it's just fascinating. And, and there are other books that he wrote that talk about, um, 
you know, just social engineering hacks that people do to to do like fake checks or fake security badges, um, you know, to get into buildings and stuff. Um, and so it's, I, I highly recommend people check that out because it's one thing that it's like, oh man, I got my, you know, running SE Linux on my system, so I'm done. Well, if you have physical access to that system, SE Linux isn't going to help you. Right. Uh, right. So it's something to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. So, Dave, I got, can I make? Can I admit something? Potentially, yeah. potentially, this is embarrassing. Yeah, only me and you will hear this. So yeah. Okay, we're going to cut all this out, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I've been using an iPhone for about two weeks. Oh, I know. See, we well, get disappointed. That's interesting. So I've been using an Android for years, and certainly at Red Hat, there are a lot of people that use iPhones, but uh, it's uh, it's hard not to feel a little bit embarrassed when you pull out an iPhone when you work at Red Hat, right? Um, just you know the, the idea of open source and and openness we're we're a lot closer to the Android world than we are to the to the iPhone world um, but you know moving from this Android to the iPhone again we'll talk more about this next week, but it made me realize how few differences there really were between Android and iPhone um, and it seemed obvious to me that this is these products are now slowly commoditizing right iPhones are becoming more like Androids and Androids are becoming becoming more like iPhones and so I was not surprised to find this Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Sparky, um, which uh, basically allows you to build your own uh, your own cellular tools, um, and so it, it got me thinking about the commoditization of a lot of this stuff, right? Uh, not just the end user of software, right, in the form mm-hmm. of Android, uh, but it made me think about projects like OpenBTS, uh, which is uh, allows you to stand up your own GSM tower, uh, so you can actually provide mobile service to your friends uh, from your backyard. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, these open BTS guys are famous for, they're the ones I, uh, I understand who set up, uh, mobile networks at, uh, uh, that big conference out in the middle of the desert, uh, with all the hippies, uh, what do you call Burning it? Burning man. Burning man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I see, I'm hip. I, I know what the kids are into. It's a conference. Um, it's a it's a conference. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a conference for naked people yeah. out in the desert. Anyway, right. when those when the, all they wear is lanyards. <laughs> <laughs> and so when those naked people in their lanyards and their sand uh, and their uh, uh, and their 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 homebrew uh, beers uh, and their uh, patchouli uh, need to make a phone call, uh, they can actually use open source software running on commodity hardware, uh, which is which is running this GSM tower, which provides them service. Um, anyway, it got me thinking about the possibilities of, so now we've got basically commoditized software for making phone calls. Um, we have commoditized hardware uh, for doing so. Um, mm-hmm. We can set up our own mobile phone towers. Um, the technology for mobile mesh networks is actually pretty good. So that if I've got uh, 10 folks and those 10 people can uh, share one person's internet connection. Mm-hmm. Um, then suddenly I'm wondering why we need mobile carriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like AT&T, Verizon, they must be terrified of this, right? Because it's only a matter of time before you can download an Android app that would allow you to avoid getting a, uh, uh, avoid getting a voice plan at all, right? Or even a data plan for that matter. Well, yeah, and do you know... Well, I think one of the reasons why they're probably not as worried is just probably because of coverage. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if you're in the middle of the woods or a rural area, um, even if some farmer has a access point um, and assuming it was open, 
you you may still not have that geographic coverage, and it would be spotty in places. But mm-hmm. um, but did you ever hear of uh, Republic Wireless? Yeah, why is that? Why is that name familiar? Yeah, so remember how, like you said, we we had the offices in the NC State campus. Mm-hmm. Sure, they actually moved into our old building. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, so Re- Republic Wireless. Um, I think they also go by bandwidth dot com, um, and so. They have uh, an interesting uh, cell uh, offering where it's it's based on they're an MNVO, uh, you know, what, like a virtual network operator. So they mm-hmm. they basically buy minutes and data from Sprint mm-hmm. and then they resell it. But their shtick is that they have these specially modified cell phones um, that are basically it's like a Motorola uh, it's, uh, phone that is running cyanogen with their own special build of cyanogen. <clears throat> and then um but but their 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 shtick is that when their goal is to get you to make transparently make calls as much as possible over a Wi-Fi network. Um but whenever so like whenever you're at home, mm-hmm. um you're connected to your access point and all the all the calls will go over voice over IP. Got it. And then whenever you drive away, mm-hmm. it'll go over to Sprint's uh data backbone. Right, and so it's unlimited data, unlimited minutes, and it's like twenty bucks a month, and so that's actually that's what that's what Warren uses because um, and it, it works pretty well. I mean, sometimes the the voice over IP, the, it, you know, if you're a really poor hotspot, it's it's a little not it's a little broken up, so you need to just uh, turn the wireless off. Um, but it actually works pretty well, and I think that. Uh, I think the MNVOs are going, are are helping push the prices of wireless down, uh, where before there was sort of this what this uh, oligopoly of of you know Verizon, Sprint, mm-hmm. AT and T that you know the and T Mobile and the prices were pretty much the same, but now that you have these pay as you go sort of plans, mm-hmm. I, I think that's really putting downward price pressure on on the incumbents. So I, I like uh, how like you could buy a phone from Google and then get a SIM card and then plug it into T-Mobile or AT&T or, um, and have that portability. Um, so I, I think that's encouraging too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's interesting to see how the evolution of technology changes people's expectations about a lot of this stuff. Um, and the idea that, you know, the (laughs) back, you know, in the eighties, what you paid for a cell phone, um, seems ridiculous now. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, as we saw long distance, so uh, let me ask you this question. How, mu- how much do you think it was regulation that caused all this change? And how much do you think was just technology? Yeah, I'm gonna, I don't I'm, know. Because I'm under the impression that the, the, the regulation didn't actually change that much um, over the last few years. I think it's just the, what, the MVNOs just got a lot smarter or a lot more aggressive. Well, and, and you look at like Sprint mm-hmm. that was having financial difficulties, so they probably had to get a lot scrappier. Yeah. You know, so they, yeah. they didn't have that dominant... You know, they were suffering financially, um, and they were looking for new avenues for revenue. And I think that they were one of the first of the major U.S. providers to do the MNVO thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, if the growth of data use on mobile phones um, has anything to do with it. Uh, where if your business model is, is built on voice minutes, and mm-hmm. there are steadily fewer voice minutes as people get more and more comfortable sending text messages... Um, using Wi-Fi on their phones and so on, uh, you slowly become less useful and so have to actually charge less money, right? I would mm-hmm. think. Yep. Interesting. I wish I was an economist. Then I understood this stuff. Yep. Yep. Instead, uh, instead, I work for an open source company. So you know what I'm doing next, Dave, right after this uh, phone call? 
Uh, you're getting in the car. I'm getting in the car, and you know where I'm going? Um, Charleston. Good guess. Good yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Milosis Land, which I mentioned earlier, um, is going on. And if you guys are not familiar with the Milosis, if you are listening to this podcast, you are almost definitely uh, going to be interested in the military open source working group, MilOSS. And you can find them at mil-oss.org. And every year they run a conference. Uh, it's usually a few hundred folks uh, meeting uh, in usually in or around a military base. Uh, so it could be Atlanta, Charleston, um, done a couple on the West Coast. Um, anyway, great group of folks, uh, very informal, and really it's a bunch of open source practitioners getting together for a couple days, kind of sharing war stories, uh, uh, each person kind of bragging about the open source work that they've been doing inside the DoD. Uh, it's a really nice exchange and a, and a really nice culture, just a really good bunch of people. So um, we'll include a link to, uh, the, to the Mill OSS group in the show notes. So I'm really excited to go to visit yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what do you what are you into this week? Oh, I'm getting ready for a uh, I'm moderating a panel uh, in a couple of weeks at the end of the month uh, for uh, Fed Scoop. Uh, so lowering the cost of government with IT Summit. Um, so I'm okay. going to yeah. So there's um, people from the VA, uh, Department of Labor, uh, NASA, and uh, FCC are going to be on the panel. So I'm excited oh, you got, about oh, that. that's right. You got Michael Byrne. Uh, yeah, the FCC. Oh, yeah you, you oh. did an interview with him on your uh, FedScoop podcast, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, Michael's great. Uh, you should go just to hear Michael talk. Uh, the work he's doing uh, over at the FCC with maps is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. It's really outstanding. Um, yeah. So very cool. Very cool. That's yeah, well, actually, let's. I'm going to make a note to put a link to that podcast episode. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I also want to compliment FedScoop on a surprisingly explicitly named summit um so <laughs> what is the summit about it's the lowering the cost of government with it uh, oh okay i guess i know what that summit's about it's not like uh you know ignite or evolve or velocity big data, big data. like <laughs> that's, right. that's right cyber yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's right uh yeah lowering cost of government with it oh good i know exactly what's it about well just what it says on the tin it's about yeah. the cost of government with it so that's good um very cool and then uh, our government symposium, man, it's coming up really quick. Yep, yep. It's like September, right? Yep. Yeah, that's that's going to be good. Um, yeah, let's see that uh, November sixth. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. It's November this year. Um, anyway, the website is up, which means uh, registration is open. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to, if you want to see Dave and I in the flesh, um, it, probably even wearing suits, uh, please come yep. in and register. Uh, and I will include a link to that in the show notes. Um, so Dave, you found this, we were doing this partnership with Tengen and I mm-hmm. had absolutely no idea that we were doing it. And in fact, just before this call, you were telling me about it. So, uh, you're, you, you are best qualified to, uh, to talk about this, uh, this new project that we're working on. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, so Tengen, they are the makers of the NoSQL database MongoDB mm-hmm. and, um, we've been working with them, uh, uh, for uh, for a number of uh, on a number of things, one of them is uh, developing an integrated security solution using our identity management products. So um, we have Red Hat Identity Management, which the upstream project is called Free IPA, and which is you could think of the identity management or Free IPA as being a uh, Linux's answer and Unix's answer to uh, Active Directory. 
where you can, um, it's basically the integration of LDAP and Kerberos and certificate management. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is that we've worked with TenGen uh, to come up with uh, essentially some knowledge-based articles on how to use our identity management solution to um, generate uh, SSL certificates for use with MongoDB. So that's good for uh, data in motion. Uh, you know, so that connection is encrypted and that data is encrypted. Mm -hmm. And it's all done through the 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 identity management uh, web user interface. Uh, so it's it's really easy to use. It's real. Uh, it's free IPA is is a really cool um, one of my favorite projects that that we have. And then we also have another article uh, among others that we came out with was. Um, being able to use uh, our identity management to centrally manage um, MongoDB users. So instead of creating a user table inside of MongoDB for people to authenticate, you could actually use our identity management solution uh, to do that backend authentication. It's all using Kerberos. Um, so it's uh, re really nice. It's, um, you know, like a lot of times we, you know, we come up with things and we put it out there, but we often leave it up to the customer to figure out how the integration is done. So right. yeah. our engineering folks and our, our great partners at, at Tengen have done a great job at, at showing the you know the right ways and, uh, and the best practices to do that integration. That's really great. I, I don't know about you, David. I'm seeing a lot of interest in Tengen lately. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really kind of heartwarming because uh, they're a nice, young, scrappy company. It reminds me of Red Hat a few, you know, many years ago. Um, and they're coming to market with something new and strange. Uh, a lot of people don't really know how to use the NoSQL tools yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so th seeing these guys starting up and making themselves immediately useful and also the speed with which they've been able to understand kind of enterprise-y customers um, as opposed to kind of geeky hacker types uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's been really commendable um, that they're doing a they're doing a great job. Doing a really yeah, job. and well, and I think we get along so well because it seems like the business models are very similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. instead of uh, you know companies that have like a proprietary solution or a um, uh, uh, like open core and you know with a proprietary crunchy outer outside, you know, that's, <laughs> it's very very similar uh, yeah. to the way we do things. So it's. And I think that's a good reason why we get along so well, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And and the other thing, too, is that, like, with, with MongoDB, is as people are looking at, you know, big data, um, you know, the, literally, you know, like, large data stores, using the historical, um, uh, you know, uh, database that is, you know, whether it's MySQL or Postgres or um, Oracle, um you know, where it's typically running on a single system or maybe a highly available cluster, or if in the case of Oracle Rack, cluster systems, it ends up that that doesn't scale as well uh, if you're doing, like, really, really humongous things. Or things like with NoSQL, if, you know, I, I remember when I used to do the database programming, you know, it was, it was like you spent a lot of time nailing down the schema because if you were to change uh, a relational database schema, it was like so disruptive and so painful for people. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with, with uh, NoSQL and things like MongoDB, you have a lot of flexibility. Um, so you can, you can, you know, fail faster to succeed sooner by, you know, come up with something. Oh, got to change the schema. No problem. We could do that. It's very, very forgiving in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, Okay, so lessons learned. Dave, uh, d ten annoying sounds people need to stop making. Yeah, uh, can I? Can I? Here's. Do you want to hear my number one? Yeah. Cyber. 
Cyber. Yeah. That's that's the sound people need to stop making. Yep. You know the one that I think I'm guilty of? What's that? Uh, Pulmonic, aggressive, voiceless, alveolar glide, and mid-central vowel with an optional unreleased final bilabial stop. (laughs) Do you you have to pay extra for the unreleased final bilabial stop, or is that... Well, it's an option. It's an option. So you can get it or not, right? Yeah. I don't don't know what that means. Yep. Pulmonic, aggressive, voiceless. Okay. I'll be... Oh, is that snoring? Nope. Oh, what is it? Nope. It's it's like like saying <clears throat> it's like saying yeah, yeah. Can you can you do it with the uh, with an unreleased final bilabial stop? Um, the I think the optional unreleased final bilabial stop is like yeah, yep. Oh, I see. I see. So punctuating it with a with a. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, were you? So, <laughs> how did we get on this? <laughs> how did we get talking about this? Um, it's just I. It's I think it's just a public service announcement of of things that we need to have people stop doing. Oh, good, good. We need a lot more of those lists. In fact, I got some lists. Which is I did I did I didn't know we were going to cover them on the show, but okay. Next next episode, I got another list of ten things that people should stop doing. That that, that, <laughs> should, that, that should be easy. I have a list of ten things I need to stop doing. <laughs> <laughs> um so it did, before we were recording i was i heard there was a sound coming over the line on your wire mm-hmm. and i asked you if it was an airplane and you said that it was either a lawnmower or a zeppelin right <laughs> yeah so i you know i live uh uh in the uh very close to the uh, rubber capital of the world uh akron ohio and so whenever, you know, so companies like Goodyear, uh, BF Goodrich and all that, their world headquarters are here. And every so often, it's like I'll be working from home. My windows are open um, and I'm just working along. And then I look out the window and I see the Goodyear blimp just like fly by my house, like like out my window, just like hovering <laughs> off the ground. And I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know, because usually yeah. it's like you only see it like on like like on TV during football games and all that. But there's there's actually an air dock that's close to my house. So, you know, every couple months I'll, you know, just see, uh, you'll hear it first because it's really loud. Um, and then they, uh, then they're, it's like flying over and, um, it's pretty impressive. But, but the interesting thing is that I know we talked about Zeppelin, um, a couple weeks ago, but, Mm -hmm. uh, the, some other Zeppelin news is that Goodyear is no longer going to be, um, uh, doing blimps anymore. They, they're actually, it's going to be the, uh, Goodyear Zeppelin. Are they going to change the name of it? I mean, because Goodyear Blimp, I mean, they've got a lot of cultural, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of cultural nurture around the word Blimp, right? I think they're going to still go by Blimp, but uh, but the more pedantic of us are mm-hmm. probably going to say, oh, that's a Goodyear Zeppelin. So if you're ever at a you know cocktail party or a uh, uh, pro football game or wrestling match and you look up in the sky and you see the... Um, the uh, in, in probably by the next year or so, it's it's the good, it's really, it's a Zeppelin. Okay, so now you have to explain the so what a dirigible, right? Mm-hmm. It's a dirigible. Exactly. So so a, a dirigible is any lighter than air craft that is both powered and steerable, um, as opposed to uh, free floating like a hot air balloon. Okay. And so you got blimps like the Goodyear blimp. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I if I deflate a blimp, um, it has no internal structure, so it's just basically it's like deflating a balloon. Okay. Whereas um, you have a rigid airship like the Hindenburg. 
Um, and semi-rigid uh, airships like the Zeppelin NT, and those are also dirigibles, but they also have this skeleton on the inside. So if you deflate it, there's actually this uh, metal core inside that, that, um, that gives it some sort of structure. Okay, so the, so what we had been calling the Goodyear blimp was in fact a blimp because it had no internal structure. But now they're adding mm-hmm. internal structure to at least part of it, making it a Zeppelin instead of a yep. blimp. But it's always been a dirigible. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so so uh, dirigibles include uh, uh, blimps and and zeppelins. And and to be specific, it's if somebody. Says, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no, let's definitely get specific now. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you, you it, like if you go to a wrestling match with a really pedantic person, and, and you look up in the sky and you say that's a good year blimp. Not only will they correct you and say that it's not a, or if you say it's a Goodyear zeppelin, it's actually not a Goodyear zeppelin either. It's actually a Goodyear zeppelin NT. <laughs> so for new technology and and when i heard that i'm thinking that okay what marketing genius at the zeppelin company it's like okay let's so you got zeppelin and you have all the cultural impacts of of you know the hindenburg yeah. and and what could add safety stability <laughs> rock solid reliability let's put nt at the end of it Wait, why are you guys all laughing? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's like, hey, who wants to go in a Zeppelin? And no way, no, those are things aren't safe. How about a Zeppelin NT? Oh, yeah, sign me up, you know. That's amazing. Well, it's, uh, first of all, it's amazing that there is still a Zeppelin company because it seems like the number one use for Zeppelins at the moment since uh, we're no longer invading Europe um, <laughs> or, or, or crossing, the, uh, crossing the Atlantic, um, mm-hmm. it seems like the only use for... Zeppelin's blimps, dirigibles, what have you, is advertising beer, right? Well, actually, um, there there have been, I guess, some recent programs that have been canceled um, in mm-hmm. the government, uh, you know, in the DoD, mm-hmm. where it's like you could actually use uh, like aerostats or or zeppelins or blimps as uh, sensor platforms. Oh, sure. Oh, right. And now I'm remembering that also Google announced its plans to bring wireless broadband to I think it was Australia using. Uh, yeah, using, right. using uh, I think they're doing some stuff in Africa too, where mm-hmm, you know it's mm-hmm. just basically you have these countries that have, um, you know, it's it's really hard to put down physical lines, you know, mm-hmm. for fiber optic or anything like that. But if mm-hmm. you could put like a access point on a dirigible and, and float it up in the sky, you could do that. So, and and as far as military applications, you could use that for uh, communications as well. Um, as well as for as as a sensor platform, and you could have it floating so high up in the sky that you know you could shoot at it with an AK forty seven, and you know the bullets won't even make it that high, and mm-hmm. and even if it did, it could actually you know, you could actually puncture it many many times, and it'll still stay afloat. Huh. So you could think of it like as another class of of drone, uh, for you know lack of a, a another. Term, yeah, you know? totally. Well, and, and but the most charming drone possible, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. it kind of it sweeps in all of this, like you're saying, this built-in kind of cultural freight of uh, the golden age of the airship. Uh, you know, from you know the 1920s, 1930s, when riding in an airship was something that was super fancy, right? Uh, also drags in the kind of Victorian Edwardian experiments with like hot air balloons. I find that the whole mm-hmm. thing is absolutely charming. Um, even if it is advertising beer or acting as a military sensor platform. Um, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> think, think about that. You go to an NFL game and then, you know, you have the classic flyby of the F-16s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you know, but it would creep people out if it was a flyby of drones, or at least it would creep <laughs> me out, right, right a flyover. Right. Um, but if if it was like a blimp, it's like, oh, hey, Snoopy's on that blimp. Cool. <laughs> and, it's, and it ends up being like a sensor platform, you know. <laughs> right. Well, actually, well, the the the, uh, the flyover can occur during the national anthem, <laughs> and yeah. actually, less the entire duration of the national anthem. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, all right, cool. Well, Dave, what do you say we button this up? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, you you need to get to uh, uh, Mel OSS. I need to get on that road. That's true. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, so where, but where do people go to uh, get more? Uh, uh, I always forget to do this part. And, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, great question, Dave. If people want to learn, learn more about dirigibles or Vulcans flying dirigibles. That's right, and I've got, a, uh, I got book recommendations for Lauren uh, based yep. on our, our airship conversation. Um, we've got open source airplanes, Ted Brunel's interview. You can find all that stuff at uh, uh, dgshow.org. That's D as in dirigible, uh, <laughs> G as in gunship. Uh, show.org great okay well safe travels and we'll talk to you next time thanks everyone bye it won't stop I'm always recording